Adventure Pants is intended for a mature audience. Any views espoused in the following podcast are held solely by the speaker and shouldn't be taken seriously. After all, we're just having fun. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to Adventure Pants. We have got Matt DeSantis in the room this evening. Say hi, Matt. Hello. And Nathan Aravis will also be jumping in at various points during this, although this is Matt's story to take the lead on. I believe we'll be hearing a number of tales of mundane celebrity encounter. Is that what you... Is that mundane, uneventful. Uneventful celebrity, celebrity encounter. So with that said, let's jump right to it. And uh, actually, no, let's not do that. First, I'd like to apologize for taking two weeks off. Major technical difficulties with me and the laptop and the sound mixer and all that stuff. But we're back at home in the Green Street podcast studio. So with that said... Let's start the uh, let's start the show. Let's hear it, Matt. All right. So thanks, Trip, for having me. Absolutely. Nathan, glad. Thank you so much hello. for appearing. All right. So yeah, uneventful uh, celebrity encounters. So I want to step into the wayback machine for a little bit. Um, okay. Back in the late '90s, I went to to Towson University outside of Baltimore. Okay. And my senior year, I was an intern for a marketing slash promotion company who was, I guess, the, uh, well, basically promoter for all of the movies that were going to be coming out for various studios. Oh, cool. Miramax, uh, yeah, fill in the blank for any numbers. Miramax was one of the the main ones, though. So So you kind of helped do the, like... Getting the word out kind of stuff, street yeah, team stuff, I, what I kind mean, of stuff was it? A couple of things that I would do. I mean, I, I would be, you know, in their office, which was in Owings Mills, and I would be the guy um, putting together a lot of, like, the the uh, press kits and, okay. and mailing them out to some of the more prominent um, film, I guess, critics in the area. I'm uh-huh. sure you guys have heard of, like, Ann Hornaday, and, you know, I just had access to, to all of their personal information. Okay. And, you know, it was pretty cool. I would I would mail out their, their press kits so they could um, usually go to... to uh, sneak previews before a film. Right, right. Um, I would also be the guy that would plaster the campus with uh, posters. And if it was a movie that I wanted to see, usually, you know, you wouldn't be able to close a bathroom stall without seeing like <laughs> Josh Hartnett or, or Elijah Wood from from the faculty just okay. uh, staring at you. Or, okay. Or uh, yeah, um, it's interesting. I did a lot of that from the other side in college. I was a critic, a film critic. Well, let's not be lofty. Let's say movie critic uh, for the college paper. So I went to a lot of the press screenings and got a lot of the kits and stuff like that. So yeah, it's cool. It's cool. It's, it's, it's a fun. It's a fun gig. For yeah, sure. I, I would do that as well. I remember going to some of the screenings where I actually had to get feedback from from the the audience that would be there. I yeah, yeah, one of them was uh, the mighty uh, that was with. Uh, Kieran Culkin, who had like a disability, well, yeah. and Elton Henson was kind of like the the dim-witted one, and they would kind of form one giant person. Yes, to beat yes. Up the boys. My mom, saddest. Movie. My mom sobs at that movie. Like, yeah, like if, it was, if it, it's like it just it's one of the ones that just gets her. I they, my memory of that movie is like I remember something with a school bus, and then I just remember my mom being like so sad at that movie. I don't remember any of the movie at all, but I just remember. And from time to time, you see someone that pops up. And she's like, "Oh, remember that movie that I just wept like a baby?" It really is. I mean, because at the, you know, here I'm, I was, you know, 21 seeing it. Sure, sure. I, I guess uh, the little Culkin character had a, a basically a life-threatening illness. Mm-hmm. But he's like, hey, you see this factory that they would always scope out? He's like, you know, it's a research and development company, and, and they're going to be able to cure me. And, and at the very end when he dies, you know, Eldon Henson's like, he said he was going to go to this factory, and he's running in there, and it's just like, a, you know, they just glaze ham for a living or <laughs> something like that. Yeah. And it's just like... You know, it being 20, it's just like, God, this is the saddest movie. <laughs> Soul crushing. Yes, absolutely. So, but yeah, I would get feedback from folks and mm-hmm. send it off to, to like the, the Miramax rep and what okay. have you. But, uh, like comment cards and stuff, that kind of thing. Uh, I mean, I would just, just type up like a, a word document oh, just okay. with, you know, cool, with, with cool. people's reactions. And, you know, I think in a case like that or Elizabeth, they were a total of maybe three or four people. At the <laughs> premiere. But, but no, it was a good gig. And, and actually, it, it got me the opportunity to, um, Work basically at two premieres, um, one of which was a, a premiere slash fundraiser at the Senator Theater, which was a kind of an old school Baltimore style, like you think like the Weinberg, but okay. for um, you know, in Baltimore's, I think down York Road, it was just like this big majestic theater. Okay, you know, had, had one screen, um, and there was um, a, a benefit. I don't recall what for, mm-hmm. but it was for Rounders. Uh, okay, with Ed Norton, yeah. Matt Damon. Um, 
So all of the upper really crust, solid poker uh, movie. What's that? It's a really solid poker movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's it was, really it enjoyable. Was good. Yeah. Um, so I, being one of their interns, you know, I was one of the guys that would help you know, the upper crust, uh, the bourgeois of Baltimore mm-hmm. society, you know, get to their seats. Sure, sure. Um, and actually, is is one of the props. So you're, you know, audience oh wow, a, a oh, still nice sealed pack of rounders cards. Wow. So this is one of those promotional giveaway things. Yeah. Awesome. Very now, cool. There were uh, signed Ed Norton ones, but I, I. I I think they were like twenty bucks. I, I couldn't bring myself to, sure. to actually steal one because, <laughs> because it was for yeah. it was for charity. Yeah, um, I don't know. if I was hoping you know gamblers or what, but still, uh, I couldn't bring myself to uh, to take it. I'll but, get a photo of that up on the uh, the Facebook page. Let me forget to take a picture of that. Sure. Now Ed Ed Norton was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know if you know Trip, but his his grandfather was kind of created Columbia, Maryland. It was like a planned community. Okay, he went to a high school. In Columbia, so anyway, he, I he knew was he was here. from around here, but I didn't know that particular uh, t- yeah. tidbit. So I think he still has family in the area. Yeah, probably. He was the only celebrity that was uh, present, but he kind of gave he gave like a you know welcoming speech and a thank you for everybody coming out. And I was kind of standing in the back. I think everybody had taken their seats at the time, but then I saw him you know head to the front of the theater and go out into the lobby. So I figured he was going to go out and just just go to the concession stand. Mm-hmm. And, and I went out there, and sure enough, it's just he and I. You know, I'm right behind him, and I'm I'm sure I at the time I did what every celebrity loved and that was just a, a tap on the shoulder yeah he kind of whips around and was like hey you know and I, i'm i'm a fan you know i you know i, I really enjoyed uh primal fear the movie mm-hmm. it was him and, and richard gear yeah to this day i've never seen primal fear i mean but it was you know, i mean i i know like you know and i did say and, and it was the truth that i really wanted to see american history x and that yeah. was coming out like the next month so i mm-hmm. said I, I can't wait to see that yeah know, but you know until i think i'd already seen rounders once before um, for one of the promotional events, but you know, I, I don't think I'd ever seen anything else that he'd been in. So sure, yeah. you know, he you know, thanked me for coming out, what have you, and, and, and away we went, and uh, and, and that was my uh, you know first <laughs> encounter with Ed Norton. Well, yeah. only encounter with Ed Norton, but after the fact, everybody was kind of congregating in the the lobby, and he was you know shaking hands and everything else. And one of my friends, I'd asked you know if she could help, and we'll, we'll call her for you know to, to protect identities, uh, Adeline. Okay. Anyway, she had gone to the same high school and the same graduating class as uh, as his sister. Apparently, she was just like, okay, you know, hey, I went to you know the same high school as your sister. We were on the field hockey team. I mean, he literally was just like. Oh, that's nice. And he just <laughs> turned around and walked away. And she was just like so ouch, devastated. Oh, like, man. But that's, you know, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tough just, turn away. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't strike me as the most outgoing guy. No. He's, he's, he's he seems guy, like but. one of those quiet, reserved, sinks into a role types. Yeah. But he was pretty cool. Even when I tapped him on the shoulder, you know, yeah. he's a nice guy. So, yeah. so the the next month, and I'm still doing the, the interning gig, and... And, and, you know, one, one of the things that you got was some pretty cool swag. Yeah. So we're going to uh, kind of digress for a moment. One of the other things I had, had managed to take was uh, this kind of like boiler room type outfit that was from Halloween H2O. I had a mask okay. as well, but I, I don't know what became of it. But actually, the white boiler outfit had uh, made a really good like Droogs type costume. Sure. So yeah. 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 Orange. So oh, OK. Just so you don't think I'm lying. lying here's <laughs> circa 1998. <laughs> Full-on Malcolm McDowell. Singer. That is a perfect Droog outfit. Insert a Silent Hill 2 reference here. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, so, so yeah, I got to make out with some some pretty good uh, some pretty good items I, there. I I rarely took the swag stuff just because I felt like there was some level of journalistic integrity I should hold myself to. But uh, the one time. The couple times that I did, if I was often, you know, had other friends that would review stuff. So if I went with a friend, I would, you know, feel free to take stuff because I wasn't there in a professional capacity. I was just there to see a movie. And one of the few few things I have left, I actually just discovered I have books of matches. I must have taken like a whole box because we went to a review screening of Van Wilder 2, The Rise of Taj. <laughs> the one Ryan Reynolds was not in. The right? one Ryan Reynolds was not. Actually, there are two Van Wilder films that he's not in. This is the first one. Okay, and it starred um, Kumar. Kumar, right? yeah, yeah, uh, Kumar. His name, uh, yeah. yeah. I I had it and it fell away. But sorry, it's okay. No, I, I it just his name escaped my mind. But yes, he was in it. Um, and they were trying to give away all this stuff, and it was a very the theater was almost empty. 
Uh, so it was not a lot of people there interested in free swag of any type. So at the end of the movie, there was a literally they just left a box of promotional materials in the front court of the theater, and they left. Like there was, yeah. it, we were the last two or three people in the theater, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna see what's in this box, and I reached down and I picked up. I must, like I said, I don't know where they all went, but I must have picked up about you know like a six by six inch box of just books of matches and stuck it in a jacket pocket and went on my merry way. And for for you know t- to this day, it's 2013. That was probably 2006 or seven, and I have books of matches <laughs> remaining from that but I, I didn't get as much cool swag because i was i was too 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 bound by my sense of journalistic integrity yeah i guess for just a second, there there are more than one van wilder movie out there there's there's actually three. There's three. Yeah. The uh, the first the first Van Wilder movie came out has Ryan Reynolds. Uh, then several years later was the sequel, The Rise of Taj, that starred um, Kumar. And I, it kills me that I can't remember his yeah. name. Cal Penn. Cal Penn, yeah. Yes, Cal Penn is his name. Uh, so he was in that one. And then within the last year or two, they did one of those direct-to-DVD sequels that like like way after the fact that's tangentially tied in but not really related and it was like the early years of Ann Wilder and Coolidge College I that I know that is really sad but Coolidge College it was a military institute and Van came in and shook things up a bit yes I I've seen I have seen that it was on Netflix and I was like this looks like a piece of crap <laughs> Let me waste 90 minutes of my life on it. <laughs> Met your expectations. <laughs> 90 minutes wasted. <laughs> 90 minutes were gone in a flash. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So uh, there is. they do give away a lot of strange stuff with the movie promotions. Yeah, and, and being an unpaid intern, you know, they, they couldn't... You know, they were perfectly fine with me taking it because they had more than they could... Sure, bear sure. ...their small little office. So so about a month after the, uh, the Rounders event... Um, yeah, and, and keep in mind in the late '90s, and Nathan, you can attest to this. Baltimore was like, you know, this this hubbub of of you know film activity. I mean, you had in the late '90s, you had um, Runaway Bride with Julie Roberts had filmed. There was a a Barry Levinson movie that had Adrian Brody and Ben Foster. You had Homicide, Life on the Street, still mm-hmm. filming. You know, Blair Witch was going to be coming out, and then you had a uh, Pecker, John Waters. Yep. So world premiere. Uh, at the Senator again. Okay. Um, I was, again, asked to, to help out with that, and, and that one kind of was a d- little bit of a different flavor. It wasn't a, a fundraiser. It was it was solely a, a world premiere. Yeah. So it was kind of cool because I was I had to, like, actually escort some of the celebrities um, to, to their seats. So I was I was John Waters' parents' escort uh, <laughs> to and from their car. And, and it's funny because, you know, back then, I mean, they, they seemed like they were probably, I don't know, 80 or 85, and... You know, it just made me wonder even then, like, man, how, how do they feel, you know, watching things like, you know, Pink Flamingos <laughs> right, right. or, or what was it, Desperate Living, any of his, any of his movies. Yeah. So, so I, I was just kind of going upstairs to the top and, and bringing champagne down, like, constantly. You know, sure. I love one lady that ran the company is like, you know, give have, these people more champagne. Having They're seen Pecker, I can tell you that it would be very enhanced by many a glass of champagne. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was it was an okay, you know, it was a funny enough movie, I guess. But, but just to be surrounded, you know, it seemed like at that time I, I was just like, on the outside looking in, like one foothold into the, to the celebrity realm. Sure, sure. You know, face pressed up against the glass and all. I mean, I remember... <laughs> They're in the fishbowl. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember, you know, almost like bumping shoulders with with Ed Norton and kind of giving him a head nod and, and just pretty much being flat out ignored. But I was okay with that because <laughs> it was Ed Furlong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at you now. Yeah. And and, and I oh, oh, Mr. T2 himself was there, huh? Yeah. Oh, wow. Also okay. from American History X, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I remember bumping into, like, Lily Taylor from from The Conjuring. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she, I think... Sp- I think I don't remember if I spilled a little bit of champagne on her or she spit on herself, but yeah. she but she was just like, Oh, don't worry about it. She was like, It was already there. <laughs> everybody was a little bit tipsy, but you know you know, Mink Stoll, Martha Plimpton, I mean any of like, oh, the, wow, okay. the John Waters crew. Yeah. And the man himself, you yeah. know, they were all there. So that that was uh that was kind of that was kind of amusing, um, especially just you know you don't think of something like John Waters really having parents and, and yet to be their their escort yeah. to and fro. Yeah, he um, sort of seems like the type of person who just sprung into existence one day. Yeah, out and just someone found this 
this this this five or six year old child wandered out of the woods with a pencil thin mustache, mustache. and a creepy mustache, exactly. a creepy suit on, and already just, like six feet tall. <laughs> yes, he just, <laughs> just grabbed a camera and went at it. Yeah, Christina Ricci though she she was a no show. Apparently, uh, rumor has it that she just did not like Baltimore at all and and did not want to come back for for the premiere. But okay, it was a it was a good time. Okay. So so that actually kind of John Waters is kind of the the transition from from Baltimore to California. So upon upon graduating from from Towson. Um, I, I attended, uh, well, I attended, I went on a trip to, to California with my parents. Okay. Um, I was supposed to go to Italy with some friends, but it, it didn't happen when five years later anyway. Um, but at BWI airport, you know, who, who did I see sitting in the lobby, but was, it was John Waters. Okay. So, I went up and, and kind of introduced myself and talked to him, told him that I'd worked for, you know, the promotions company. Mm-hmm. I worked at the premiere and he's like, oh, that's, you know, that that's cool. I told him I was his parents' escort and everything. And he made some kind of witty kind of like, oh, I'm, you know, hope you didn't get him lost or anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't a, a digger or anything. Sure, sure. And yeah. I, and I remember telling him, you know, I, I think to date I've only seen like Pecker, Desperate Living, Pink Flamingos and, uh, but, I, but I think the Not Simpsons, Hairspray, huh? What's that? Not Hairspray? I've not seen Hairspray. Okay. Um, but the Simpsons episode he had been in was was not that long prior to. It okay, may have been like a year or so before that. But I, I just that episode to this day is hysterical. So I don't know if you know you would have appreciated not being remembered for his Simpsons appearance. But you know, yeah, was, yeah, I just remember telling him how how funny I thought that was and. Yeah, he was pretty gracious. I had a, a picture taken with him, you know, and I, we were on our way then to yeah. uh, to California. So, so once we got to California. I remember seeing John in the, the baggage claim just getting all of his own stuff and, and a couple <laughs> guys had spotted him and yeah. they were all like up in his business like John <laughs> seemed a bit taken aback but by that time we had already we had already left the terminal okay so, so were you on the same flight yeah oh yeah. wow okay yeah. yeah and I think he was flying just regular economy I, I would I would have well. to imagine John's in, in economy class yeah I, I think no offense has... intended to Mr. No, Waters no, no. I just I feel like he's an economy class flyer he, he was the pilot <laughs> yeah I know right <laughs> um so we get to California, and you know it was a fun trip. And I remember one of the first things we did was take one of those uh, celebrity star tours, like sure. see the stars tour, you know, homes, and and go to some of the studios. And I remember, you know, our our tour operator, he was a, he was a pretty funny guy. And I remember we were, I guess, at the NBC studios. I mean, it had to have been them because we saw a uh, David Hyde Pierce from Frasier coming down the street. He was all dressed up in this suit. And I don't know if, like, I almost got the impression that the tour operator and him had some little, like, tiff going because uh, I remember the operator just almost was, like, just dripping with poison. It was like, oh, and look, you know, there's there's David Hyde Pierce from Free. <laughs> almost like, oh, you know, there's there's Fun Fun, the panda at the <laughs> National Zoo. And without, like, missing a beat, you know, David Hyde Pierce was just like, oh, hello, and just kept going same pace. <laughs> you know, it just seemed like, you know, you couldn't distinguish between him and Niles. It was just the same character. Right, right. So that was, uh, you know, the, one of the first encounters. But we were at an open, one of these open-air, like, malls in Santa Monica, and I remember seeing in, in John Voigt. I mean, John Voigt has a pretty distinguished look. Yeah. Um, was it by any chance a farmer's market thing? Not really. No, I think it was more of a, a mall. Like okay. A, almost like an outlet type mall. But The plot thickens. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll, I'll circle back around, but please, John Voigt. No, no, because but I do want to mention that at the time, like, I remember he was, because I wanted to say hi, but he was with this really tall, attractive girl. And I was like, wow, like. But come to find out that that most likely, and I don't know for sure, but that yeah. was probably Angelina Jolie. Right. Because at that time, you know, Girl Interrupted hadn't come out yet. And the only thing that I had remembered her from, still a good movie to this day, was uh, Cyborg 2 with uh, her and Elias uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cotillas. And I remember they had uh, Casey Jones from uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fame, okay. of course. Uh, also, they need to cue him up for Expendables 3. But anyway, yeah. But but no, I just remember thinking that was so cool because right. uh, looking back on it, man, man, I, you know, I was as close You would have been you rubbing shoulders to, with Andrew yeah, Lee, right, right? I know. And again, you know, I, I did like, uh, I was a fan of Cyborg 2. It's streaming, <laughs> so. Uh, I'll be sure to put that one on the, the instant cue. Yeah, no Jean-Claude Van Damme for the sequel, so. Did you have to? Uh, I just, the, uh, yeah, the, um. The, the reason I asked is, and I believe it was Santa Monica, although I, I'm probably remembering incorrectly, but I, I, went, I had a friend living in Los Angeles, and we actually had a couple of, well, maybe perhaps loosely defined celebrity run-ins, but uh, we were in this uh, open-air farm. It was one of the original farmer's markets that now has, like, an open-air mall attached to it that has, like, you know, higher-end shops and whatever, but it's, like, a two-tier thing, and then the, the farmer's market. But I'm walking with my buddy, and I'm, we're walking, and I'm turned to my right, and I'm talking to him, and I... 
bump into this woman and I turn and I'm like, I'm so sorry. I wasn't paying attention. And in the moment that I am apologizing, I realized that I, I literally bumped into Aubrey Plaza from Parks and Recreation. Really? And I love that show, yeah. like, like psychotically. And I bumped into her and it was like, click, 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 click in my brain and realized, oh, that's, that's her. And I was too stunned by the interaction of like literally bumping into her and almost right. knocking her on her feet. Cause she, in real life, is a, much shorter person than I expected her to be. She's several inches shorter than me, and I'm not that tall to begin with. But she right. was like, you know, barely coming up to my chin, and so you know, way larger than her. So she kind of didn't like stumble or anything. But it was one of those like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and we went on our way. And I was, I turned to my buddy Jake at the time, and I was like, that was Aubrey Plaza. And he goes, yeah. <laughs> I was like, why didn't you say anything? He's like, I was waiting for you to say something, and I was like. Damn it! We had such a window. Like, I'm so sorry. Oh my god, I love your show. Like, you know, you know some sort of segue. But no, no, no. I probably would have been too intimidated. <laughs> you could be head writer on Parks and Recs right now, and instead you're sitting. That's right. Michael Sure can go straight to hell. <laughs> Forget this kitchen. I watched something. You know, you know the site IGN. Right? Yeah, yeah. She did an interview with. Uh, uh, the chick that was from the OC, and I guess the director from you know that that movie that she's in where she's a teenager. Yeah, uh, the, 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 the the to do list. The to do list. list. Thank You're you. Welcome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but uh, I mean, they, it's funny because you know some of the questions that these folks are asking because it deals with you know. It's a sex comedy. Yeah, exactly. It's a sex comedy. But some of the questions they were acting, you could just like cut the awkwardness and tension with a knife. If you ever get a chance, go back and watch it. Okay. It's one of those that kind of makes you want to just curl up into a ball. I, I, mean, I it, see her a lot in interviews like that. I think she relishes making those opportunities uncomfortable for other people. Yeah. I get the impression that she does a little bit of that on purpose. Yeah, maybe. One of the only folks that other folks that we encountered out there was uh, Peter Green. If you remember Peter Green from uh, Permanent Midnight with... Ben Stiller when they were heroin addicts mm-hmm. and Judgment Night he was one of Dennis Leary's cronies okay and you know he probably saw me just kind of looking at him and smirking because his probably his most famous role was was Zed from Pulp Fiction so I'm uh, looking at him okay all I'm thinking in my head because this wasn't that much later yeah after Pulp Fiction was a uh, bring out the gim yeah. gim sleeping well I guess you're gonna have to go wake him up and so I'm just like <laughs> looking at him he's kind of looking at me but he seemed like a pretty normal guy with, I mean, the folks that he were with, they, they weren't really dressed up or anything. And it was at a really, like, small coffee shop. And sure. Then, you know, I didn't I didn't know his name or, or anything at all. But, uh, but yeah, it was kind of cool to, to see him. And yes. I, I just remember, you know, the rest of the trip was was, uh, was amusing. And I, I remember flying back because between my, my internship at Towson and that trip to California, you know, I felt like I was, again, on that, on that cusp of you know, being within the industry sure. and in reality, and especially looking back, you know, not at all but because of <laughs> nowhere near. You were, but, you were, you were touching the bubble. Yeah. You had a fingertip barely. on the bubble. Yeah, pretty much. I even remember uh, on the flight back, just thinking, you know, I was getting ready to start my first job out of college and just being, you know, it wasn't like an ideal. I mean, it would have just been any like, you know, white collar business job and just like man like I, I really wish something would have panned out with you know with the sure. film industry and yeah. I, I remember thinking that a couple months prior to that I was visiting um, some friends of mine that lived in Pittsburgh some of them went to school there some of them just just happened to live there and I remember one of my buddies his his girlfriend's roommate her parents I guess were connected and I remember she said that uh, that Hank Azaria was looking for a personal assistant that paid eighty thousand dollars a year. You know, <laughs> who would make this up? You know? Yeah. Um, but I remember, you know, just thinking, like, even to this day, you know, not that I regret any any choices really that I've that I've made, but man, if you could only see w- what would have happened if I if I took her up on that, and sure, became Hank Azaria's personal assistant, sure. So for, you know, he does half the voices on The Simpsons, right? You know, any gig that he didn't get, you know, I'm sure they always take it out on their personal assistant. Absolutely, yeah. Just, and then you get to hold his umbrella what, when it rains. What if? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so those are my, uh, yeah, my my uneventful uh, celebrity encounters. <laughs> Thank you very much for sharing. Um, the second part of the show that we do is a bunch of silly hypothetical questions, mostly cold from the internet. Uh, the first of them is, would you rather fight in some sort of Thunderdome situation, one horse-sized duck or 100 duck-sized horses? No coaching. One, what was it? Let him answer the question before you jump in. One hundred. Whisper in your ear. 100 duck-sized horses or 
one horse-sized duck. Do I have any weapons of any sort? Ba- like nope, but just you. Nope, spun? just you. I'm going to go with the 100 duck-sized horses. Okay. <laughs> no, because ducks are pretty small for Correct. the most part. Now, I know some of the ones that you know, hang out on... Uh, the Guilford Drive area by Best Buy, you know, if you ever encounter them, if you ever have to drop your car off at, like, Tires Plus and you have to run to Walmart to kill time and they're out there, yeah, if you get too close, they will attack you. Sure, sure. But they're small enough where I could probably deliver some good kicks and hopefully have enough stamina to get through a 100. Yes. But I'm not, you know, a big, robust, Odonis-type guy, and I, I don't know if I would have any luck with... Uh, a duck the size of a horse. I'm on your team. Don't worry. Sounds like I gave the wrong answer. <laughs> no, you, well, absolutely. You have. How many ducks do you think you can step on it? Well, not at all time. at once. Right. I mean, but if I can just, you know, keep them enough where I'm just constantly like kind of maneuvering myself in a in a circle and all the while kicking. Um, I'm sure I would look like a loon, and here I'm going into the Thunderdome <laughs> right. without any weapons right. at all. It's a bare-handed Thunderdome. Okay. Um. These ducks are organized. They're like the Best Buy ducks. <laughs> while you're they're horses. They're not six. ducks. You're putting duck you intelligence know, I, you know, into a horse like, body. I keep visualizing ducks too, but they are horses. <laughs> right. so. they're, they're tiny little horses. And, and with, if, four, uh, with, with, with four hooves yeah, if they, of, And uh, if they are if hooved, I mean, if, if, yeah, I mean, if they deliver some But no beaks. Things. But teeth. But no beaks. No beaks. Well, then what would you recommend doing for the duck? <laughs> he thinks he can fight a duck. Uh, because the others are going to swarm you. You've, you, were, you and I are zombie fans. We, yeah, I but I mean, fans. you know, I would go down punching and kicking. You know, if it's a, a giant duck, I mean, yeah, I mean, I could probably run away from it, I'm guessing. But I don't know if I could outfight a horse-sized duck. I guess it's got a pretty big neck. I, I could think, try to like straddle it, strangle you, it. You, you figure out the pressure points. And... <laughs> I guess. I guess I would have had to have known that in advance. You're though. doing advanced duck anatomy to in, prepare in, for this. That you were blindfolded yeah, and thrown into a thunderdome, given all the free time that I have in waste on movies <laughs> like uh, Van Wilder Two. Not that I've seen it. You know, I, I guess I could be uh, Van Wilder Three. three. <laughs> animal anatomy in case I ever do encounter a <laughs> giant-sized version. Really, I think what this comes down to, though, is what you have a natural fear of. Trip had mentioned that... Ducks are pretty vicious creatures. And tried to fe- it was a duck pond when I was a kid, yeah. Blood and I yeah. have a fear of horses because they're, you know, in the... They're big animals. That, yeah, they're, that's, there's nothing wrong with being afraid of either one of them. I, you know, I just I'm with Matt on the. I'd rather fight a bunch of small things than one big thing. Ducks seem more aggressive. They horses are. don't, and if they're tinier horses, I would take my chances that way. I'd be stepping on a lot of horse spines. That's that's my personal. I think it's just you're outnumbered. It I think down to the ratio, you're one to one, or you, you just. I think I we're going to have to agree to disagree on this one. Maybe. All right, I'll let it pass. <laughs> I would leave a, a trail of. Bloody uh, horse remains. Uh, horses, yeah, <laughs> in my wake, <laughs> mocking you all the while. Godspeed. What do you feel is the greatest fictional vehicle? Doesn't have to be a car, any mode of transportation. Fictional vehicle. Okay, fictional vehicle. Or fictional mode of transportation, since other people have done things that are perhaps not a vehicle in the traditional sense, but still move you from place to place. I would have to say, not that I'm a huge fan, but I, I like the idea of a TARDIS. You know, you've got this nondescript-looking police box. Sure. Um, and then you go inside, and it's like 10 times the size, and you can take it. You can't. You can just... It's not like you can just go from Maryland to California, but you can go back in time, forward to time. No, I... I and I've just kind of become a, a little bit of a David Tennant-era Doctor Who fan, so I'm going to go with the... That's the best the, era, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm sure the DeLorean gets a lot of... I, Actually, the TARDIS is uh, number one choice so far. Okay, mm-hmm. all right, good. Uh, See, if I you, got something right. <laughs> there's no right or wrong answers. <laughs> if you were to you found... to fight 100 duck-sized horses <laughs> inside the TARDIS. <laughs> it's bigger on the inside. If uh, if you were to found your own isle, your own nation, uh, Matt-topia or, or, or Matt-land, whatever, whatever you prefer... Um, what currently real song, something you're not going to commission, would be your national anthem? National anthem. National anthem. Any song of that currently exists, what would be your uh, national anthem? Oh, my God. I don't know, man. I mean, I'm pretty big into music, but... Sure. Yeah, without having any... Uh, you're doing that lap around Olympic Stadium, Matt Lauer's making inane comments about your country's GDP and the things that you export. He's a, the, it um, would have... This is uh, Representative Matt DeSantis from Mattopia. Uh, the number one product of export in that country is, is joy. Horses. <laughs> and duck-sized horses. It would have to be something really like 
narcissistic and just something that would uh, stick it to the people. Sure, sure. Also, be a bit of an embarrassment. Uh, it's, it's everybody else to make everybody else feel uncomfortable. Of sure, because that's it's kind of the rule that I would have. But as far as theme song goes, ah, uh, man, it'd have to be some kind of snotty like uh, Britpop song. Okay, I'm guessing. I'm maybe thinking something on the lines of like. Who wants to live forever by okay. Queen? Because clearly, if if I had my own nation, I would want to live forever. <laughs> so I'm thinking that would be more geared towards all of my subjects. But that song would be more to, to invoke fear. Sure. Um, you know, it wouldn't apply to me. Because yeah. I, I would clearly want to live forever. Well, you got so. your own nation. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think some Queen songs have... Not the arrogance, but that epic kind of uh, a feel to it, of course, where... Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Who Wants to Live Forever. Okay, cool. Which, again, would be my, my message to the people that they better fall in line. <laughs> I gotcha. Uh, if you were to take away the normal superpowers that everybody picks when you get asked this question, flight, invisibility, laser vision, what have you, what mundane superpower would you pick? It improves your life, but it doesn't completely change your life. I'm wondering if, like, to, you know, some elemental type powers where okay. it's not like anything excessive but you know if i was too lazy to get up to go get ice from the from the freezer i could just like you know shoot out of my right hand you know <laughs> ice okay and then if i ever needed to like you know cook out on the grill and i don't want to like propane up i could just out of my left finger shoot fire or okay something along those lines okay and, and toes could serve as something else like oh you need an oil change in the car well you, know, <laughs> you, know, or, you, or you gotta else. tap to dinosaur fuel not that you know not that that's like an element by any stretch but you kind of get the sure sure where i'm getting it yeah so. definitely if you were to take that and then decide to go fight crime with it what's uh fictional or perhaps non-fictional sidekick would you choose to fight crime with you Wait, if I had those same powers? You have those powers, and now you're going to fight crime. I don't know if I would really need one, would I? You have to have one. That's, okay. <laughs> I mean, that's the question. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Yeah, you, you may not need one with your powers, but you, you yeah. Choose one. <laughs> Just, they're your favorite sidekick is a perfectly acceptable answer. Yeah, well, I'd have to be something to, somebody that had something else to offer. So if I had... So not Robin. Ice, yeah, I mean, he's just human. <laughs> but if you had something like Dynamite, if I had to, like go up a tall building i just yeah. hop on his back and he's got you know the retractable type legs but, okay you know you took orco so i don't know if there's any other mid- I, 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 no, mid- you can see. no 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 literally i, I wouldn't have i would have thought he of, chose regis philbin oh, okay circa <laughs> early regis so yeah i mean it would be good to have like a, a magician or maybe <sighs> just as long as it's not an a person you can go battle cat i think dynamite was a perfect answer though yeah by the way, for the do you know? Do you, it, are you familiar with Dynamite? The, the one that Matt was like? No, I don't know. Oh, from the Falcon? You know, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, one of the Hanna-Barbera. One of the okay. Hanna-Barbera. Second-rate uh, second characters. Okay. If, if You can go with that if that's what you want to go with. Could I have like a team? One person. Yeah, let's go with, let's go with Dynamite okay. for the aforementioned okay. reasons. Um, if you could stop one invention from being created, what invention would that be? You can just wipe it out. Never existed, never will. Man. I'd have to say, like, cell phones, but then if I did that, uh, a lot of my subjects would need our recognition. Um, but, yeah, I mean, cell phones to a degree, at least with the capabilities that they have, because okay. it takes away from, you know, this coming from from an introvert. But you know, it seems like too much social, uh, just, it just really much... You want to go back to the did, dumb phone? Does, does away with, like, you know, social interaction. I can't tell you, like, by... You know, how many concerts, you know, I, I might go to where it's nothing but people like it used to be back in the 90s. You would just talk to the strangers that were around you sure. to kill time about your favorite bands and all that kind of shit. But now everybody's got their own phone and they're just typing away at nothing in particular. <laughs> Cut me off whenever they're driving down the street, which they did even with the, the old school ones. But, yes. you know, the only uh, I'm with you on the concert thing. It drives me nuts when people just constantly take photos yeah, and video. Like, how often are you going to go back and. It's going to sound like complete garbage on your cell phone. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, pretty much everybody will have a live DVD come out at some point. So uh, I would probably have to say a cell phone. They could at least go back back to the the dumb dumb phone phone version. Yeah, I mean, that way, I mean, at least if, you know, the parents' generation, oh, we broke down in the middle of the, you know, middle of the wilderness, you know, we still managed. We hiked six miles to the gas station. I would still like to have the ability to to call out. Sure. But it doesn't need to be a device that can live my life for me. I'm with you. That's That's a perfectly acceptable answer. Uh, another Thunderdome question. It's a 100-foot-long, 50-foot-high glass Thunderdome 
there's a thin layer of sand at the bottom. It's not enough to hide in. It's just to sort of protect the the the, the glass so you don't break. You know. Wait. So I've got glass over me. No, and you're in a. Wait. You're in. A, you're basically in a terrarium or an aquarium. Okay. okay. All glass. Hundred okay. feet long. Fifty feet wide. Thin layer of glass. Sand at sand. the bottom. Excuse okay. me. You can either be dropped in with a toddler with an AK-47 strapped to their hand they can never put down, or a five-foot-tall, 100-pound naked man who wants to kill you. Nudity is just so he has no weapons. He can't take his shirt off and strangle you with it. He's bare hands only, and feet, I guess, and perhaps biting. But man man alone, unaided by anything. I'm going to say the five-foot-tall naked man who wanted to kill me because, you know... If I've got a little baby with an AK-47, I mean, if, if they can manage to pull the trigger, which is where I'm sure you're going with the question, yes. you know, I, I could get taken out pretty easily. But sure. at least I have a fighting chance sure. against, you know, and if I need to, you know, throw him off guard, I, I can easily, you know, derobe sure. uh, myself. <laughs> um, so All-naked Thunderdome fight. Yeah, and, and, and do my best to take him out. <laughs> I'm not a big guy again, but I, I, I definitely have size on sure. a five foot like I don't know you at all. It's like I'm sitting next to a perfect stranger. It's like I bumped into Aubrey Plaza. <laughs> I, I'm just I'm thinking about self-preservation. So, you know, when that does happen, I should, have, I should have coached you before this. I, I, I see. There's no, no coaching needed. I, I think both those answers are perfectly acceptable. They're also the ones I gave. If you could live in one television universe for the rest of your days, what television universe would that be? You're not going to be the star of the particular show. You just live there. The example I always use is if you're on Happy Days, you're not Fonzie. It, you know, and that that's actually one of the. I was actually gonna. I don't know if I heard that on one of your other shows, and you gave that as an example. But I, I know you want one answer, not three. But but all of them are kind of the same thing. <laughs> okay. I, I kind of I. You know, we all we all cherish like our our high school days, and uh, to be able to live them like in a, in a different era. Although like the day to day life, you know, technology aside, but to have been able to grown up like in an era like in, in Freaks and Geeks when it was like sure. 1980s Michigan or the Wonder Years, like 1968 Southern California with all like the social issues going on, all the music that was around it, any of those eras, even even Happy Days to a degree. Yeah. I mean, you know, the the I guess this the simpleness of 1950s Americana, they all have a, a certain appeal. Sure. So any of the above, I, I guess I would probably say like the Wonder Years okay. just because the 80s is probably still close enough but there wasn't that much difference but i would have to say the wonder years okay um if you could send one muppet back in time to kill hitler what muppet would it be animal okay probably okay. i mean i mean you'd see him coming but <laughs> animal's be, not real stealthy no no but he was also probably pretty unstoppable i'm not sure what anybody else would really bring to the table i mean who, who's gonzo Gonzo might have a chance, but he's kind of unpredictable. At least, at least with the animal, you know what you're getting. Sure, sure. It's it's kind of like sending Wolverine to yeah. a degree. Yeah, you know? I mean, you could take anybody out. I'm going to go with animal. Okay. Uh, last question. Uh, you're walking down the street. Doc Brown pulls up in the DeLorean. He throws the door open. He says, "Matt, I've got this golden ticket. I can take you to any concert, any time, any place, any when. Who do you want to go see and when?" Honestly, I would have liked. I'd like to see. Uh, would have liked to have seen. Um, Queen, just like any small mm-hmm. venue. I mean, I've not been to many as many concerts as I've been to. It's yeah. either been local area, you know, nine thirty club, Black Cat, yeah, Ramshead Live. So, so really, any any small club show with Queen, I, I early think, in the band's kind of days, kind of thing. Yeah, okay, but but playing like a, a full spectrum. Of course, you know, once I got in the mid eighties, I didn't really care for their stuff. So mostly like the, the glam rock stuff. So, so yeah, the earlier days up of- until like you know after like say. The under pressure. Once the Radio Gaga air started, no, but anything okay. with like under pressure with uh, prior to that. Cool. Yeah. Any any you know small club venue. Excellent. Uh, the next thing, the last bit of this, uh, as it were, is uh, the choose your own adventure bit by bit thing we've been doing. Uh, last time we we miss we met with Mister Runal and the Abominable Snowman by the Venerable Ari Montgomery. Uh, we got to an ending that didn't have a Yeti. So. Damn it, I'm reversing course, because who, who read one of these books and didn't reverse course? So here's the last page, which uh, you'll base your decision off of. And Nathan, if you want to make a decision too, since it's your idea to do this, you're welcome to do that as well. But whoever wants to go first, you can fight that out amongst yourselves. Uh, here's, the, here's where we're going from. Mr. Ronal, I beg your pardon, sir. I have made a mistake. This is your country, and we need your help. Please accompany us. It will be our honor and pleasure to have you with us. The room is silent. You shift nervously and stare out the window at the palace grounds and the four gardens. Renal does not respond right away. He fiddles with a pencil on his desk, deep in thought. I appreciate the kind offer. 
I can only accept it if you allow me the great honor of being expedition leader. If, I, if you allow this, I may be able to arrange for funds from the government, as well as tactical support from the Royal Nepalese Army, including helicopters. This catches you surprise. Catches you by surprise. You are the leader. So will you allow Mr. Renal to be expedition leader, or point out that that will not be possible? And if you want to pass, you can pass it to him. Uh, I think, I, yeah. Oh. I, no, I turned it over to you. I, I think Renal is up to, what's his name? Mr. Renal. I think he's up to no good. But the last time we rejected Renal, the right. book ended. <laughs> so I feel like this one maybe doesn't, doesn't perhaps end the book. I, I'm going to, with as many, you know, movies and, and comics, everything else I've read, it seems like more often than not when there's, when there's government intervention and any kind of sci-fi, horror, action type flick, it, it always leads to, to problems. Generally, so. I agree with you, although Mr. Ronal is supposedly the foremost expert on the Yeti that we're searching for. I'm sure he is, but I'm going to, I'm if I'm expedition leader, I'm going to I'm going to go You're sticking with that. to your guns? Yeah. Okay. Page 55. You die. <laughs> Which is okay. <laughs> you know, the, you, the, the telephone rings, breaking the silence in the room. Ronal excuses himself and picks it up. Yes. Yes, I understand. I will tell them. He turns to you with a serious look on his face. Our king is bothered that people are disturbing the peace of our land. He apologizes, but he decided to close the mountains to all expeditions. It is time for a rest. The Yeti are not animals. That's categorically wrong. We will not allow them to be hunted anymore. I am sorry, my friend. Well, at least you didn't have to refuse his offer of leadership. If you allowed him to be leader, since that'll continue the story, and I'm going to do this to the point where we see Yetis. Damn it! Wait, so I at least didn't have a bad ending. It just kind of... It just ended the, it just ended the just story. It just with a question mark. Okay. So basically, they want us to go along with... You have to go with Mr. Runo. This guy is the... He's the, he's he's the king. The so, uh, okay, you may lead the expedition. His connections turn out to be very useful. Soon the expedition has better supplies and equipment. His knowledge about the Yeti proves to be useful, and you are already learning more about them. He makes arrangements for you to be carried by helicopter to Everest. Maybe it's best to have him lead. It's his land, and he knows it well. Turn to page 23. Good lord, there's so many, so much exposition. Who wrote this book? R.A. Montgomery. Dr. Renau. <laughs> R.A., perhaps his name is yeah, Renau Montgomery. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. It, now he's a member of your expedition. He sends out a government team to set up a base camp and find Carlos Los, who went missing uh, episodes back. In a few days, he's rejoined you, and all three of you are on the trail. He turns out to be a wonderful companion, Renau does. Six porters carry your food in tents. This leaves you free to explore the steep valley sides and small villages. So you have a bunch of slaves with you with Renau. The days are long. You begin at first light. Blah, 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 blah. It's really hard to get there. Blah, blah, blah. As you, point, as you approach a village, Renau points out a large building with a red roof, which stands above the small, neat houses clustered about it. This is the monastery where there lives a monk... A Buddhist monk who has seen and lived with the Eddie. Gosh, this is poorly written. But I thought no one had really seen one. It, and he says, it's a well-kept secret. Those who share the secret of the Eddie are pledged to reveal this knowledge only to the appointed. You and you alone are one of the appointed. It has been seen in the stars and been read in your hand. That's gibberish. What do you mean? Who saw it in the stars? Who read it in my hand? Renal does not answer for several minutes. Then he speaks. If you accept the secret knowledge, your life will change. You will never be the same. Decide now. Okay, so I, 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 I zoned out about... Uh, so clearly you don't give a shit about the Yetis. No, but what, what are the choices, aren't there? Like, yes, you may either... If you're ready for the secret knowledge of the Yeti and the responsibility that goes with it, turn to page 41. If you reject the offer of secret knowledge about the Yeti, which we're trying to find, turn to page 116. I, I think... I don't know, Matt. What do you think? <laughs> this is a pretty clear cut. I think, I, a, I think they're steering you in a direction. I'm no expert, but I think they're steering you on an ex- on yeah, a, a 41. Right, all right. right. You, want to, you want to take it. I gladly accept your offer. I am ready for the knowledge. Come with me. He leads you to the monastery. Carlos stays behind. You and Renal enter the monastery through a huge wooden door. It is very dark inside, but you make out the figure of an old man seated on the floor. Behind him is a statue of Buddha. The man welcomes you and motions for you to sit before him. You see he's wearing the robes of a monk. You are served yak butter tea, a thick broth that you find hard to swallow. And on that disgusting note, (laughs) on that disgusting note, we're going to pause it until next week to find out what happens in the Yeti expedition. For the last segment of the show this evening, we're going to be discussing, it seems like all we do is talk about superhero movies, so I apologize if that bores you to tears, but I like them and it's my show, damn it. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about the latest uh, news and collaborative 
Not collaborative. I guess it's collaborative. It's Superman and Batman. DeSantis. Yes. The latest uh, update and, and bits and bobs about this supposed uh, Superman-Batman movie we're going to see in 2015. So uh, I believe the most recent thing that I saw is apparently they're backing up the Brinks truck for Christian Bale. They want him back to the tune of $50 million, which I find utterly insane. Now, Matt, you brought you you, you uh, sent me that. I think I mentioned message. that yeah. to you, yeah. Did you read anything about it? No, really. Just it's. I, I mean, as far as I know, it's a it's a rumor. Yeah, it's so a rumor. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't really have a. I guess a strong opinion. I know some people are adamant that the Nolan verse be kept completely separate. Yet the Superverse is still kind of part of the Nolan verse. I guess what I don't understand is when they say they want to make something, you know, to kind of keep it grounded in reality. But yet, on one hand, you have somebody who flies to earth from from outer space right. fighting you know his own kind and then you have another spoiled rich kid who builds all of these monstrous toys to to fight bad guys yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't i don't see how superman can exist in the nolan universe that's well, my issue with it like i just i just think it's so silly like they try to keep like they tried to keep it relatively ground i mean obviously it's got a guy who glides around in a magic suit essentially and talks like an emphysema victim, but there's some level of it where I'm like, if you threw in a guy from another planet, I'm kind of going, wait, what? And I'm, I, it puts me off a little, a little, with that. No, I, no, I, 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 I agree with you for the most part. I think I'm the only one here that's seen Man of Steel. Yeah, I have so not seen, I haven't it. seen it. They do a pretty good job of keeping things. I have to say, out of all of the, the 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 movies that I've seen this summer, I, I've um, I haven't been disappointed with everything, but everything could have been a lot better. There were only a handful of things that I've seen this summer that that really kind of rose above. And and as excited as I was for Man of Steel, that wasn't one of them. Yeah. it was good. I I enjoyed it. I'd see it again. I I will own it because I have no self control when it comes to, <laughs> to that sort of thing. You certainly but, do not have self control about DVDs. But they did. I mean, with with uh, Zack Snyder and uh, Nolan did do a pretty good job of keeping it. Uh, um, grounded in, in in what you would think of as reality. Um, Trip just left the room. This is this is where he normally would interject with some sort of. Well, I'll kind of present a. I'll, I, I'll present a counterpoint. So, but I'm not sure. Even though, the, yes, the, the the Batman trilogy didn't have any DC Easter eggs. I think the tone's similar enough where they could easily open up that world no, to, to spill into the other. One thing that, that gets me, I think, with uh, like using the, the Marvel movies as an example, and I, I know I haven't seen... And they tried to do the same thing to a degree with the Marvel movies where we want to keep everything reality-based. But and, and with Iron Man 3, you know, spoiler alert, where the Mandarin, who was one of Iron Man's biggest foes, turns out to just be... To be a gimmick, you have got right, Ben Kingsley right. play the Mandarin, but he's really just an actor pretending to be a front or something to this villainous organization. Apparently, they did that because they felt that having a villain with you know nine magical rings wasn't realistic enough sure. to put in a movie. But yet, you have like Thanos, who's right, basically right, right. like a monster from a monster, I, but an overlord from another planet. And you've got Loki and Thor's whole world, which I get is based in you know like North mythology. But you've got all these other fantastical elements that you allow into your universe but yet something like having mandarin and magical ring somehow that 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 i think the, i on. think the truth about mandarin is they didn't want to make a chinese person the villain of the movie i, I, I think they i mean they they, the they they made they shot extra scenes that were only in the chinese cut of that film right right so, i mean that to me that's just purely marketing bs of like oh it's too much weirdness because you're exactly right i mean that they're Thor's flying in from other planets and all that rainbow bridge nonsense. Yeah. It's just purely, I, I really truly think that they were like, we can't have an evil Chinese guy be the bad right. guy. And, and going back to, like I say, I mean, I think Iron Man was pretty much kicked off the summer. I saw it and it was, it was really enjoyable. It was a, it was a good time and it's perfectly fine. It, movie. it was a perfectly fun movie. I was incredibly disappointed. I guess that movie's been out. I think it made what? Oh, we already I'm, talked about Iron Man. You can yeah, spoil yeah, away. So, yeah. I mean, uh, I, th- I thought uh, Kingsley did such a good job at creating that particular character in the first whatever twenty minutes of the film, and then to have that kind of crash and burn midway th- through was. I wanted more of that. 
that villainous portrayal. I, I, I can see that. It was a clever twist. I, I, I honestly, as someone who doesn't have the familiarity with the books, I, I thought the twist was the most entertaining part of that movie because it's just completely not what I expected. And, and I'm so used to these movies. As much as I enjoy them, they're very predictable. They hit the same plot points. I mean, the origin stories that led up to the Avengers, they're all the same movie. I mean, to me, they're the same. I mean, that's why the origin movies are usually never the best one, right? Because right. it's like, oh Christ, everybody knows Spider Man's origin. I mean, exactly. You don't, you don't need to tell it every time, right? Just, yeah, just begin in the middle of the story. But oh, go ahead. Well, Dan. no, I was just going to say, I'd, circling back to to Batman and, and and kind of coming back to agree with Matt was when I heard that news, and I think I did read the report today about. Um, how this is mostly conjecture about Bale, and, yeah. and and he's come out in the press and said that he's not, uh, he has no intentions of returning. But I think the figure that they spewed today was 50, 50, 60 million? 50 million bucks, but supposedly. Was, it was a British publication, or it's a, it's a book that's coming out. Yeah, an and authorized biography. Yeah, and I, I don't, I don't believe, I don't buy much right. of the the, I, the source. I think is highly suspect. E- exactly. So, uh, but that being said, when I heard the news, based on the uh, the actors that they've kind of rolled out as potential Batman's. In the last few weeks, um, I was kind of okay with the with with this idea of Bale kind of coming back because at least there's that um, consistency. Which the DC films, as as good as their comics are, their animated movies are are far superior to Marvel's. But they, other than the Nolan Batman films, they really haven't gotten a foothold in the in right. in, in the movie world. So uh, I was kind of looking forward to to maybe them having some sort of uh, uh, familiarity between the, uh, the, sure. know, the, the the franchises. I um, think a lot of the problem is though, and 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 not to start comic flame wars because, like I said, I have very little attachment to source material. But Superman is commonly disliked for reasons we talked about uh, on the podcast before. Superman is is often derided because he's you know less believable and and, and a whole host of things. And I don't want to rehash that debate right. entirely. But Superman is derided for that reason. Aquaman is a joke. I mean, he's a butt of a joke. I mean, not that he is, should be, but in popular lexicon, I would say Aquaman is pretty right. frequently referred to as a joke. Wonder Woman is not really thought of as much because of the the campy TV show. And so a lot of the major players in a Justice League movie need to have a little bit of a retcon in pop culture before you can stick them in a movie to me. Like, if you were to throw out a movie that has Flash and... And Aquaman and Wonder Woman and them fighting some big evil. I feel like some of the audience, the geek audience, will be there, of course. But the geek audience will always be there for that movie. But I feel like for to get you know the mom test passed, you're gonna need somebody who's a real big pool, like Robert Downey Jr. is in the Avengers, who who like is like, oh man, he is so just like. I'm, like I'm not, he's just so good at that. Like no, he pulls in people that aren't fans of it, and so you almost have to get a new Batman because otherwise people are going to be like, oh, I, "I saw him do that for three movies. I, I know what he's going to do." Which is one of the reasons that I'd kind of like Bale to not come back <laughs> right. to, sure. to Batman. I, I don't like the idea of, I guess, having this big age difference. Well, they they haven't said that they want to make it like a, a Dark Knight, Frank Miller esque Batman per se. That they want to have. A Batman that's that age range but yeah. I think if they kind of want to build a franchise you go with somebody younger I mean I really think despite the train wreck that the Lone Ranger was that Arnie Hammer was going to be given that role a while back and I, I really think he would be a good choice I just recently saw a Orlando Bloom's name who I think right. would be an awful choice yeah he would be pretty terrible um, but I think when, when DC I, I don't think DC has as big of a or as prominent as a of a creative role in in the movies as they really need to. I, right. I think they really need to have like Jeff Johns, who who's one of the the pinnacles of of DC Comics, to to be a a true consultant and a collaborator sure. on a lot of these movies. Because a lot of the characters that that you are referencing, I mean, you know, they they are being taken seriously. I mean, Aquaman will probably always be right. a joke, but but that character really just being the leader i mean he he's a badass like some of the more like cheesier ones like him and hawkman they're they're some of the most like menacing of dc character but everybody yeah. just has that visual of <laughs> aquaman in his orange chainmail shirt riding, right riding the seahorse right but, you know, or he, flailing around in the ocean where yeah, it's like hey guys talking. come fight in the water yeah, so i yeah, can be involved exactly. like but yeah. it, it could be so much more because you i mean really you look at iron man before 2008 i mean really iron man was just a, a c-list sure. marvel character yeah yeah he wasn't as fantastical as some you know like aquaman or somebody like that but really nobody knew iron man no. but it's just you you got it you, you got a story done straight you got a good 
good actor to play him. Yeah. And I think if if they if they had a a realistic budget and not some overblown two to three hundred dollar epic or two hundred to three hundred million dollars, right, excuse yeah. me, you know what I meant. You know, I, I think they could be successful. I mean, their problem is that they're they're in, it seems like they're in such a rush to compete with Marvel. Right. They went from oh well, we're going to just go ahead and just have a Justice League movie and introduce everybody, then have solo films, then it was. Which yeah, I think having, is the wrong way to do yeah, that. Yeah, having a Superman movie or a sequel, but then it was like, oh, the sequel is going to be a Superman Batman. Right. I mean, it's just plan what you want to do. I mean, just follow Marvel's, uh, you know, just follow the map that they've laid out right, by exactly. just having the individual movies. It's not like they have to come out at the same time. They don't have to go head to head. I mean, just And that's take the thing. Time. I mean, Marvel, uh, it, it, you're exactly right. And the thing, DC is just all over the map with, with their... Uh, uh, and these are people that I said the other day. These are people that get paid very, very well ju- just to be creative and to come up with imaginative shit. And the best that they could come up with at Comic Con was to come out and say, after they had uh, Harry Lennox or whatever come out and read that line from The Dark Knight Returns. And I'm thinking, you're going to make a sequel to The Man of Steel, and the, you have a force of writers and artists and creative geniuses behind you. And you're going to try and shoehorn the Dark Knight Returns into not only not a Batman sequel, but a Superman sequel. Right. It just seems counterproductive. And they're also billing it as Batman versus Superman, which to me is the stupidest thing on the earth. Because as much as people like to talk about superhero fights and you know what direction it would go, there is literally no universe in which Batman defeats Superman. It just—I mean—it's ludicrous. Like you could the trickery, and it, you he could do all sorts of things. I've read the Frank Miller right, book, right, and yeah, and he does. But it's stupid in that book. Like it's not it to me. That was one of the dumbest parts of that book. Apart from the fact that we're in the sequel, it's like, oh, Frank Miller's super racist. How about that? <laughs> he really doesn't like people who aren't white. How about that? But. Uh, when he defeats him with trickery, it's like, yeah, okay, but he can still fly, right? Like, he's still ten times stronger and more powerful and whatever. Yeah, even if you have kryptonite gloves, you can right. still manage to snap your neck. Right. <laughs> he's a pretty powerful dude, and according to Man of Steel, isn't, a, isn't afraid to snap a neck or two. Right, so, right, right. so I feel like that movie ends with not Batman with a bulging disc in a, in a cell underneath the middle east but just dead right and, and that's it they are they are billing it as a versus movie which yeah it, the end game once again the end game is a justice league movie that's what they're <laughs> moving towards yeah you're already pitting your two main characters yeah. against one another and meanwhile marvel comes out and says we have mm. a, a roster of films that we've planned through 2021 <laughs> yeah and dc's just floundering saying we're uh, you know uh the, the third superman sequel is going to you know have Aquaman right. uh, ride to the rescue or right. whatever. It's, 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 uh, Matt, you're, you're a, we both are, we're both, uh, comic book Dorks. freaks. Uh, um, uh, what do you think of, and, and you're primarily a DC fan more than Marvel. Yeah, I, I think, obviously, if you're going to have a movie with, with them, there, there's going to be like the, the obligatory fight scene, you know, sure. there has to be when you have the introduction. Sure, absolutely. And, yeah. So that's fine. So, you know, you don't call it a, a versus film. I mean, I don't think they should, you know, I don't think Batman should be in it at all. But there's already, you know, the talk of casting Lex Luthor. I mm-hmm. mean, my biggest gripe is you have one of the, you know, the, the, the most powerful people in the DC universe, Superman. This will be, a, what, his eighth studio film. And so far, for villains, you've had, like, Lex Luthor three or four times, Zod twice, <laughs> Nuclear Man, who was, who was they ginned up for part four, which I guess could have kind of been a bizarro reject, but they've not capitalized. I know he doesn't have as big of a rogues gallery as, like, say, like Batman or Spider-Man or whatever, but yeah. he does have other super-powered villains. I mean, if they use somebody like Brainiac, I mean, with some of the special effects, you could really make a really good spectacle for a for just like a standalone Superman sequel, the, the, which I would really like. Anything other than having Zod or Lex Luthor in it again, or Batman for that matter. Right. I didn't see uh, the Man of Steel, but I watched a lot of reviews of it and read a lot of reviews of it. And it seems like the way they built the movie was to make it so the next movie could have Lex Luthor in it. It's, it uh, Metropolis is destroyed and it's in need of revitalization so you bring in this billionaire who comes in and gives everybody jobs and has this whole thing and it it seems like they're billing him almost as a like a Hitler type where he comes in in this dark period and kind of sweeps up a f- 
sweeps up a fear as I smash the microphone off the stand. Sweeps up a fear and you know brings in people you know on his side and he's this man of the people type thing. And again, I didn't see the movie, but to me that would be an interesting way to explore. You know, he's not just this crazy rich bastard, but he's this person who's not only a crazy rich bastard but also beloved by the people who are you know living in his city and have jobs that he's created and all that. And it might be an interesting thing to have him turn the tide of public adoration against Superman, so that he's like, this guy's, look at him last time, he just destroyed this whole city and then flew away and didn't care. Which I'd be fine with. I mean, yeah. I think the character should always be involved, whether it's, a you know, always lurking in the, sure. or always lurking in the background, kind of pulling the strings, but... Yeah, and I think and you that, could have him set up that way and also have Brainiac in there doing whoever, stuff as long yeah, as, it, or whoever it is, and yeah. and that's not necessarily, he's not fighting Lex Luthor, Lex Luthor is just like, Superman is an ass, yeah. <laughs> or whatever it turns into. Yeah. I mean, we did talk about Bale a little bit, but... Um, we were talking about Superman, like Lex Luthor being involved with yeah, perhaps no, another I, villain. Yeah, I think Matt and I talk about this all the time, and, and Lex Luthor is definitely, I mean, it's just a component of the Superman Mythology. mythos. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that he always, he's a constant. He's, uh, you know, he's the Joker to to Batman. He has to be a part of it, but like I say, like, like you say, you know, maybe lurking around in the background, like having a, not the central villain role, at least not immediately. Right. Um, but I was just thinking about the, uh, you know, the, the um, you had mentioned getting back to Batman, you know, um, the different actors that have been suggested for the for the role. I know you, Matt said Orlando Bloom. I did see that today, and I think um, I saw Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin, which isn't a bad choice, but I don't really, I don't really. Uh, uh, I got Entertainment Weekly, and I, he's in the Old Boy remake, and they had a picture of Josh Brolin. I was actually sitting there. <laughs> drawing the cowl on that, like draw that imaginary cow on him and see sure what he w- would look like um who else has been ryan gosling is mentioned for everything no. i don't right. know if that's really uh, you know, everybody that they've joseph gordon levitt because of the uh, last because movie of the wrong, which makes absolutely zero sense yep, they don't want to intertwine you know, the two universes right. uh, um but uh, i was trying to think who haven't they met oh the, the, the one that they did mention that i thought because he he's worked with snyder in the past you're a supernatural fan. Um, trip uh, is uh, Jensen Ackles. No, not Jensen Ackles. Although that's not bad. But um, the older guy, the guy that plays their dad, who was in Watchmen. Oh, played, Matthew uh, Good. No, 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 no. no, no. no. Uh, Jeffrey Jeffrey Dean Morgan. He, uh, Jeffrey oh. Dean Morgan as an older man. I can kind of see Jeffrey Dean Morgan pulling sure. it off. But didn't they recommend Matthew Good as they, well? They, I thought I, I saw. I think they thought of every actor between the ages of thirty-five and sixty. If they handed right. you the keys, what would you do? See, that's the thing. I've I've been trying to. Th- think of 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 what actor i mean jeffrey dean morgan sounded like not even terms to that i'm saying if you got the keys if you got the keys to the warner the the warner i'm sorry the dc uh the dc going forward you know marvel's got their great plan what's what's if you had the keys what would your plan be i'm going to turn it over matt while i think of my plan because (laughs) as much as i bitch about it i have to say when when i heard uh when i read the comic-con news about them saying you know the the Man of Steel sequel is going to be uh, Batman versus Superman. I was thinking, what an act of desperation! Yeah. And then quickly afterwards, sign me up. I, I want to see this. <laughs> 2015 with Star Wars and uh, the, the lineup that's coming out that year: Star Wars, uh, Avengers two, now Superman, Batman. It's just going to be a nerd's just absolute dream. So, as, as much as I do complain and 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 uh, about DC's decisions, I will be the first in line. Sure, you but, will. Um, but yeah, no, they've 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 been shooting themselves in the foot a lot lately. And I, what would I do? I, I I don't know, Matt. Matt, what would I do? What would you do? This is your podcast. Uh, no, we're in that last third, man. We're you know jump in. Um, gosh, I I don't know. I I think DC has to just work. A little bit more harder in proving their, I guess that there's an audience beyond like the, the, yeah. the core audience for for the comics. You know, in the case of characters like Aquaman and Wonder Woman, and Wonder Woman in particular, because they're talking but, about. I hate to interrupt you, but no. they're talking about this as being a movie that has the potential to make a billion dollars worldwide, and I don't know that it does. I, I think if you have a Christian Bale list essentially Superman sequel to, I mean, that Superman movie did well, but not a billion. I don't see this jumping to the billion dollar mark unless it came out like with the sort of buzz that the Dark Knight had. Well, the the thing I think about is just on in terms of sheer spectacle. I think uh, 
because what what came out before Avengers? What was the last Marvel movie? Uh, yeah, Thor, Cap, Captain America. Thor. Cap, they I thought good business, but it wasn't like a billion. But I think you no, none those. of them were. No, um, maybe the best thing to do it if would be to maybe do a a Justice League movie, but but go into it as a as a trilogy. So it was almost like a Lord of the Rings based. Uh, you had to watch all three to get the complete story. Sure, that yeah. way it, right, right, right. Because if you had all of the solo movies first, you know they may not they may not do very yeah. good box office business. But uh, to be able to introduce them all gradually, give enough backstory in each of the movies, and, and basically have still some sort of villain to fight in each movie, but really to have it be not just necessarily one movie standalone sequel, standalone sequel, but really just to make it one all inclusive uh, you know storyline. Sure. Um, and go and get with that. the band together, sort of, and then right. spend some of the time getting you know figuring out who these people are. Yeah, but if not Bale, who could? And none of these uh, uh, these performers that that we've mentioned, who could? I would rather who, see. Who, who, who I would rather see somebody that we don't know. I would still say Arnie Hammer because he's still kind of up and coming. Other than like Social Network and The Lone Ranger, which <laughs> nobody that, saw. That, that Lone Ranger like, stink is going to be hard to shake. Yeah. And that's the, also, I can't you, take him seriously because his name is Armand Hammer because his family is that rich, and that's why he's an actor because his family owns Armand Hammer, and that makes me angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah I am, I'm, I'm, I'm advocating. I've never seen any movie he's been in, but I guess given some of the other choices that were out sure. there, I, I think um, he's a perfectly fine actor. I thought he was excellent in the Social, social network, network, but I th- th- and he was he was a, he was up for you know Batman and George Miller when he was going to do the Justice League, and then that fell through and. They were right up to to they, they had all the pre production and they had costume fittings and then they kind of like just uh, uh, pulled the rug out from under everybody's feet and for that reason alone like I, I I you know because I have absolutely no idea who I would choose if they're gonna do Batman. if if they're gonna do older Batman do the Frank Miller thing this is gonna sound crazy but I'd watch them watch them read the phone book I think Sam Rockwell would kill that I yeah I think you're you're onto something That's Sam Rockwell or uh, I think he has the ability to play off the whole Playboy millionaire a hole Bruce Wayne character and be believable enough that I wouldn't think about the fighting scenes too hard. I always kind of thought he would when Galaxy Quest came out. I always thought Sam Rockwell would make a good Plastic Man, but yeah. I doubt that would ever happen. Yeah. Not really changing the subject, albeit a little bit. But I guess I've seen Brian Cranston's name tossed around for Lex, Lex Luthor, Luthor, which I'm sure he's he's fine. But I, I it ain't great, you know. I've, I've only ever seen one episode of Breaking Bad. Um, it's incredible. But but just getting somebody more in line with the age, I think they need to kind of keep the age range consistent. I, I right. know one of the you know, gothic gossip rag said something about um, possibly Michael C. Hall from Dexter take over. And I think I actually would the right mind, age range. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. mind seeing that. I have a hard time visualizing him with a with a shaped head, just just as a visual. But I think he would be. I think he'd be really menacing. Yeah. for the guy. I mean, he's got a pretty good comic streak to him. He has that sinister as well. look in his eye. Yeah, yeah. I, I would be more for him yeah, than I, Brian I, Cranston. I, I get behind that. Well, I guess we'll see what happens over the next. Uh, year and change while they decide to make or not make this movie matt thanks again for joining and chatting with me this evening nathan thank you for jumping in as well absolutely remember kids wherever you go whatever you do when you adventure don't forget your adventure pants